Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. Please stand by. Our service will begin shortly. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today. It's wonderful to be with you all here in God's house to worship, to be served by him, uh, to receive his great gifts that he has so wonderfully prepared for us, his word and his sacrament today. Wait for the bell. Good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. Today's message is delivered by the Reverend Jake Slutton. Uh, the radio broadcast today is sponsored by funds donated to the radio ministry. May God bless us as we worship together. Got it. Uh, let's stand together today and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Uh, those of you who are members at Trinity, please find somebody that you don't know and please go say hi to them and welcome them to worship today. So as you are taking your seats, just a few announcements before we begin with worship today. <clears throat> uh, first of all, just an office announcement. The office will be closed on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, and the day after Christmas, and we will reopen. That would be the 27th. Uh, New Year's Eve, we are going to have a hymn sing, uh, prayer, and devotions here at 7 p.m. That's on New Year's Eve, hymn sing, prayer, and devotions. Uh, let's see. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, I received a very 
unfortunate news that Elmer Kaiser has passed away, uh, and his funeral is going to be on the 26th here at Trinity. The visitation is from 9 to 11 a.m., and the service will be at 11 with a luncheon to follow over in the Fellowship Hall, so please keep Elmer's family in your prayers during this time. And um, I think that's all of the announcements. Oh, and then please be sure to mark your calendars tomorrow uh, night, the Christmas Eve children's program here at 7. If you have never been to one before uh, and would like to come, if you get here at 6.50, you may not have a seat. I'm just warning you, this place is packed. Um, So if you want to be here, uh, and I hope that, that you do, um, please, uh, you, you want to make sure that you get here well be- before 7, uh, if you would like to be able to pick where you want to sit. And then we will have Christmas Day worship uh, the next morning at 10 a.m. With that, let's begin our worship today with a word of prayer. Dearest Lord Jesus, as we draw closer to Christmas Day, we thank you that during these weeks of Advent that you have, through your Spirit, prepared us in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls, Lord, to uh, receive you, uh, Lord, to celebrate your first Advent, and Lord, as you help us to look forward to your second Advent, when you will come with glory and might and power and majesty, Uh, Lord, the way that you come the second time will be completely different than the way that you came the first time. And so, Lord, now as we worship you here on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we pray that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship. And Lord, truly, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand. And so we make our beginning this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together, as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our opening hymn is O Little Town of Bethlehem, 361, 361. 
My soul magnifies the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies. There is none holy like the Lord. The barren has borne seven. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. My soul magnifies the Lord. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The Old Testament reading for today is from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. For those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raised up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in the darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. And so we continue with the gradual. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
It's now time for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message, and now would be a great time to bring up your offering, your Mighty Mites, as well. can turn around and face me, please. Okay, how are we today? Good. Good. Okay, good. All right. I have a question for you. When you are happy, when something makes you happy, what do you do? What do you do when you are happy? Grace? You smile. Yeah, good. What else? What else do you do when you're happy? Keenan? What? Laugh, yeah, smile, laugh, good. What else might you do if you're happy? Jackson? You're excited, good, okay. Anything else? What else might you do if you're happy? Grace? You're joyful, okay, good. Yeah, all of those, of those things. Do any of you ever sing when you're happy? You do? What do you sing? Or do I want to know? Sometimes you sing away in a manger. I like that. Good. Okay. Well, so just like Cohen does, okay, um, in the Old Testament lesson, and then pretty quick in the Gospel lesson, those two lessons center primarily around two songs. The first one that we heard was sung by a woman whose name was Hannah. And Hannah sang because she was so happy that God had finally heard her prayer And God had answered with a yes and had given Hannah a son, a child that she had had prayed for for so long. And Hannah was so happy that she sang that song that we just read from the Old Testament. In the Gospel lesson, Jesus' mother Mary, we're going to read, also sang a song. She sang a, a song for a little bit different reason, but in some ways the same. The reason why she sang a song was because she was so happy that God had favored her, that that God had chosen her to be the mother, to be Jesus' mom, the Savior of the world, the Son of the Most High. And so Mary was so excited, and in her excitement she sang this song that we are about to read. It's sometimes called the Magnificat, okay? And she, she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord, for he has remembered his humble servant. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, my salvation. What do you guys think we're going to do when Jesus comes again on the last day? What do you think that we're going to do, Kenan? Well, right, yes, we're going to go to heaven, good, but what do you think we'll be saying, or what do you think we'll be doing? Grace? Praising God? Yeah, we'll be praising God in song. We, too, will be singing. And we'll be singing because we'll be in the presence of our Savior. How many of you like to sing? Some of you do, and some of you don't. Okay, well, it won't matter on 
the last day because everybody is going to want to sing because we're going to see Jesus return. We're going to see him in all of his glory and his might and power and majesty. And our souls will, will know no other thing to do other than to simply rejoice in God who is our salvation. And so when we listen to the gospel lesson, listen particularly to those words that Mary sings, okay? Would you put your hands together and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you that you always hear our prayers. We pray that you would come once more and that you would come very soon. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up, and you guys can go back and sit with your folks. The epistle reading for today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Our servant hymn, is my soul now magnifies the Lord 934 hymn 934 Would you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and mercy and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The texts for this morning's meditation are the Old Testament lesson, which was Hannah's song, And the gospel lesson that was just read, uh, which of course is Mary's song. Somebody once asked me why I never use some of my nobody nobody here, um, but somebody once asked me why I never use any of my sermons to talk about politics. And I told them that the reason for that is because I get about 15 to 20 minutes every week. And if I get 15 to 20 minutes every week, I want to tell them the stuff that really matters. That their sins have been forgiven. That Jesus has come for them. That he has come to restore them in heart, mind, and soul. That he has died on the cross for them. And that he has been resurrected for them. 
I get about 15 to 20 minutes every week, and so I figure if I get that much time, I want to use it on the gospel. This morning's message, they teach you in seminary that the best sermons are the ones that you preach to yourself. And so this morning I preach to myself as much as I preach to all of you. I want to begin with three different stories. The first is about Hannah, the woman in the Old Testament lesson that was just read. Hannah was wife to a man who also had another wife. And Hannah was so full of shame because she was not able to conceive and bear a child for her husband. And what made matters worse was that the other wife of this man that she was married to, this other woman knew this, and she ridiculed Hannah for it. And she made fun of her every single day. And he emotionally tortured her because she was not able to conceive. And so Hannah prays, and she prays, and she prays, and she prays. Until one day she goes into the temple. And she goes into the temple and she is praying so fervently, so intensely, that the priest comes along and sees her and immediately thinks that that Hannah is drunk because she is praying so intensely and seems so out of sorts. And so the priest goes up to Hannah and says, what are you, what are you doing here? You need, you need to leave. And Hannah says, no, I am simply just praying because my soul is torn apart. And I am praying that the Lord would answer my prayers and that he would allow me to give birth to son. And so the priest, upon hearing Hannah's word, says, may it then, may the Lord grant to you that which you are praying for. And so after that time, of course, wouldn't you know it, the Lord hears Hannah's request and grants to her a son. Story number one about how God has worked the impossible for his glory. The second story has to do with Mary's cousin, Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth, at the time for which we pick up in the story, Elizabeth is so advanced in years along with her husband, Zechariah, that she is not able to conceive and bear any children. And the Lord comes to her husband, Zechariah, sorry, an angel comes to her husband, Zechariah, and says, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a child. And Zechariah can't believe it. He can't, he can't wrap this around his mind. And he says in so many words, well, there's no way that that's possible because my wife is well advanced in years. And as his punishment for not believing in God's messenger, the angel renders Zechariah mute. 
and he can't speak. Several verses after this, we learn that, that upon the birth of John the Baptist, Zechariah knows what the baby's name should be, that it's going to be John, and so, but, he, but because he can't speak, he has to write it down, and he writes down, his name shall be John. And then shortly after that, Zechariah is able to speak, and his wife, Elizabeth, who was so well advanced in years, I was trying to do some research on, on exactly how old that Elizabeth was. There's no one that, that can really pinpoint exactly how old that she was, but one, uh, one reference that I read was she was probably about 90. So think of somebody who is 90, a woman who is 90. Raise your hand if you are a woman and over 90. Okay. Okay, you are going to have a baby. (laughs) Your response is exactly what Zechariah and Elizabeth was. Laughter? There's no way that this is possible. But what happens? God works the, uh, the impossible in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, and Elizabeth gives birth to a son, and of course that son will be John the Baptist. Interestingly, too, in that same account, and you'll see it there in your bulletin, that something else that people even today say is impossible happens. As soon as Mary, who is carrying the Lord Jesus, as soon as she goes into the presence of Elizabeth, the baby that Elizabeth is carrying, which of course, as as we said, was John the Baptist, the baby leaps in her womb. upon being in the presence of his Savior. Now, what is so impossible about that? Because there are people today who still say that babies cannot have faith. John the Baptist was a sinner, just like you and me. And yet he knew, even in the womb, when he was in the presence of his Lord and Savior. Yes, babies can and do have faith. And then there's Mary. And Mary comes about pregnancy in a much, much different way. You see, Mary became pregnant even though, as the Bible says, that she did not know her husband. She had not yet slept with Joseph. And yet Mary becomes pregnant. And not only is she pregnant with, she's not just pregnant with just anyone, but she is pregnant with the Messiah, with the Savior of the world. And people today still have a very hard time believing that this thing, which is called the miraculous conception, that there's no way that that is possible. That there's no way that something like that is humanly possible. You have to have this, and you have to have this, and then you make babies. Well, as we know, God saw it differently. And God, through his Holy Spirit, conceives in Mary the child Jesus, the Savior of the world. Three stories 
of things that were once thought to be impossible, and yet God used those things that were once thought to be impossible for his glory and for our salvation. Let me tell you one more story of something that was once thought to be impossible. Your first parents, Adam and Eve, to put it mildly, they messed it up royally for you and I. They listen to what the serpent tells them. Eve eats of the fruit of the tree for which she knows that she is not supposed to. And all the while there is Adam, her husband, watching. Oh yes, he was there watching this entire thing happen. He was the one responsible for his wife. He was the one responsible for creation. And yet he allows the thing to happen. Eve eats of the fruit that she is not supposed to eat from. She gives some to Adam. He then eats of of that same fruit. And the fall happens. And that which was once perfect, that relationship with God that was, that was so beyond anything that our minds can possibly conceive. Their perfect life, where they knew no sickness, they knew no crying, they knew no disagreements, there was no brokenness in their, in their family. Everything was gone, and everything was shattered. They realized that they are, in fact, naked. They try to sew clothes together, God comes walking through the garden, asks a rhetorical question, Adam, where are you? And he he asks Adam the question that must have, have made him sink in his soul so extraordinarily low. Adam, what have you done? You have you have taken my perfection, which I spent Six days doing. Everything that I called good. Everything that I called perfect. And now it's ruined. And it's wrecked. And so what does God do? Well, in so many words and in so many actions, he tells them this. If you are not perfect, you cannot be in my presence any longer. If you're not perfect, you are not allowed in my paradise. And so he kicks them out. He gives them clothes to take on their way that he himself makes them. So there is, we certainly see God's love there. But God would not have been a loving God if he decided to keep them there, in their sin, in their imperfection. And God is so keen on making sure that they and none of their descendants can ever enter back into paradise that he literally puts a, a sword that is a burst in flame in front of the tree of life. And the Bible records that this sword is just flaming every which way and that so that it is impossible for anybody to get back to the tree of life on their own. 
It was impossible. At the point for which they ate the fruit, it was impossible. It was rendered impossible for them to re-enter perfection. To re-enter into that relationship with God which they once knew, it was rendered impossible for them to re-enter paradise. Why? Because only those who are perfect can enter paradise and be in the presence of God. It was impossible for them to do. And as I said, we as their descendants, we have suffered from the consequences of it. You see, you and I are living, breathing, walking, sin-stained creatures who get old, who get cancer, who get other incurable diseases, who say terrible things to other people, who think terrible things about other people, who have families that are broken, who can't seem to hold down a job to provide for our families. Go ahead. There's a a fill in the blank. Fill in any brokenness in your life, and you can trace it all back to the fall. Every single imperfection in your life and in the life of your family and in everybody's life outside of these walls, it can all be traced back to that one moment because no longer were they perfect. And like I said, God put this flaming sword in front of the tree of life so that nobody could ever possibly hope to imagine on their own to be able to get back to paradise. And the people tried. They asked God for leaders to help them, to show them how to live as people of God. And so we hear about all of the judges. Some of them were good. Some of them were not so good. Some of them were downright terrible. And so the judges don't work. And so the people then, well then, they ask God for kings. Send us kings, Lord, so that we can have leaders, people who will show us how to live as people of God. And even the kings couldn't do it. There were some kings who were good. There were some kings who were kind of good. And then there were some kings who were downright awful. Worshiping false gods, doing things against his law against his laws and not showing a bit of remorse for it. And they tried and they tried and they tried. And as we know from just about the entirety of the Old Testament, it is this cycle of them failing and God bringing them back. And then they fail again and then God brings them back. And then they fail again and then, they, and then God brings them back. What's the pattern? What's the r- refrain? They fail and then Who brings them back? God does. Not the judges. Not the kings. Not by anything that they had asked for. Until one day, 
God, as he, is, as he is working through his plan of salvation that, in my opinion, began the day that he created Adam, he sends none other than himself to save his people. And he sends the perfect sacrifice. His own son, born in a very, very, very humble way, lived in a very, very, very humble way, was not rich, was not anything that the people had expected. You see, they were, they were expecting some great military leader who would come and restore them and then bring them back to their place of prominence as God's people. But again, they didn't quite understand They couldn't do it. And the reason why they couldn't do it is because they were not perfect. And so God sends the one who was. And God sends the one who is. Because even if, even if you could die for your sins, it wouldn't be good enough. It wouldn't be enough because your blood is not perfect. And this is why your salvation and my salvation, our restoration was rendered impossible because you and I can't do it. And so I get, I get about 15 minutes once a week and what do I want to to talk about. What do I want to tell you, all of you, about? I want to tell you that the perfect sacrifice was given for you. And re-entry into paradise has been made possible because of Christ. Because after Jesus died and his blood was shed and he was resurrected again three days later, After those events took place, he now looks at you. He now looks at each and every one of you, everybody outside of these walls. Again, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He looks at each and every one of you, and he doesn't see brokenness, he doesn't see sin. He doesn't see all of the angry thoughts or the mean words or any other kind of fractured perfection that you once had. All that he sees is a perfect child. Because you have been washed in the blood of the one who was perfect. You see, this season sort of has a double-edged sword. It's really great, and it's happy, and we're excited. We get to go to Christmas parties, and we get to have Christmas ham, and we get to watch all of the Christmas movies. How many of you are tired? Oh, come on. Yeah, we're worn out. How many of you get stressed? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword this season, every single year. And the stress only gets worse, as I'm finding out, as you get older. And so I'm going to take 
my 15 to 20 minutes, I'm not sure how long that, that, that it's been. And I'm going to take that time to tell you and remind you that you are perfect in the eyes of God and perfect in the eyes of your Savior. Perfect blood was shed for you. Perfect crucifixion and resurrection have you been baptized into. Perfect blood sits there awaiting you to be consumed by you, to remind you, because we forget, and this season is, I think, the one season where we simply just, just forget it the most, that Jesus' perfect body and his perfect blood has been broken and spilt for you. And your sins have been forgiven. And so we get ready and we are just a few days away, actually tomorrow and Monday, from celebrating Christ's first advent. And it's going to be glorious. The kids are all going to be up here. We're going to sing Silent Night and we're going to have candles. And it's going to be great and wonderful. And then the next day, we will celebrate Christmas Day and we will worship together as the body of Christ, and we will celebrate and rejoice and sing just like Hannah did and just like Mary did, and sing because the impossible has come to us. The impossible has been made possible for you and for me. And then here's what's even, even better. It's sort of like those infomercials, right? Where, you know, oh, oh, wait, there's more. Christmas doesn't actually start until the 25th. And then there are 12 days after that of which we will celebrate and we will rejoice and we will sing and pray and give thanks to God because our sins have been forgiven. We have been made right with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus promises to be with us to the very end of the age. Until that day, that last day when we won't need this anymore, and we won't need that anymore, we will simply be in the presence of God, and we will be taken with him in his second advent. And so through the seemingly impossible, God has worked his glory for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together as a body of Christ the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Nicene Creed as is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. 
by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we will gather our tithes and offerings. In the pew that you are sitting in is a red sign-in book. Whether you are a member or a guest, please fill out that book so that we know that you were here to worship with us. We collect our tithes and offerings. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. Also serving today in today's worship service is Philip Kleibacher as elder, Susan Seniger, organist, and acolytes Michael Hazeman and Sadie Bennett. You're cordially invited an information meeting and luncheon to present to the congregation the 150th anniversary project, The Seven Testaments of Christ. This will be held on Sunday, January 6th, in the Fellowship Hall, following, following church. A soup lunch will be provided by the committee members. A number of Bible studies are being held. Sunday school and Bible class meets every Sunday at 8.45 a.m. Men's Glee practices every second and fourth Wednesday and we'll be singing next Sunday. Men's Bible Study meets every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Ladies Afternoon Bible Study, first and third Mondays at 1.30 in the chapel. Um, LYF meets on Sunday evenings for a Bible study at 6 o'clock. The Ladies Tuesday Evening Bible Study meets at 7 every week in the home of Tony Oberman except there are no Bible study till after the new year. The Mount Vernon Ladies Bible Study meets 7 at 7 p.m., second and fourth Monday at the home of Betty Sawyer. There's a Mommy and Me Sunday School class at 8.45 a.m. in the Parsonage with Courtney Sletton for the little ones aged 0 through 2. At the school news, we've updated our giving tree the apples are items that we need for our cafeteria. Other items on the tree are both short and long-term needs. There's a variety of costs that you can choose for yourself. We now rejoin the service in progress. Please stand for prayer. Almighty God, we praise you that by your Holy Spirit, Elizabeth greeted Mary as the mother of my Lord. 
while the unborn John leaped with joy in the presence of your Son in Mary's womb. Increase in us your spirit that our faith may bear fruit in abundance. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that you are Father to the fatherless and that you provide for the poor. Comfort the grieving, heal the sick, and grant faith to the dying. We pray especially for all those on our health list. For Melba and for Landreth, for Janice and Myron and Carol and Oren and Ethel and Joan and Addison and Steve and Becky and Wayne and Bob Dodson and Bob Yelinek, for Mark and for Lorne, for Gary and for Emma, for Brenda, for Rose Marie, for Teresa, for Arlene, for Bob and for Mary Ann and for John and for Debbie, and for Ellie and for Anna and for Mary and for Fred and Lisa and for Ramona. And Lord, we also pray for the family of Eldon Nelson, who was given a Christian burial yesterday. We also pray for the family of Elmer Kaiser, who passed away yesterday. Lord, we pray that you would wrap your loving arms around these families, that you would comfort them with your Holy Spirit and grant to them the peace that can only come from you. And Lord, we also pray for all of those that we know who are suffering, that we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guide and defend all who serve us in public office or authority. Change the hearts of those who would lead us away from your justice and truth. Preserve in this land the freedom to serve you and lead us to be faithful citizens. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for blessings and joy for all with birthdays. Lord, we pray that they would feel assured and ready for the year ahead, knowing that you have ordered their steps. We thank you also for all with anniversaries soon. As your word says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. May you and your gospel be at the center in our marriages and families, that you might keep them and, and their families so hidden within you that all the forces of evil would come to nothing. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that you feed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness with the body and blood of our dear Son. By your Holy Spirit, prepare us again to receive his sacrament in true faith for the forgiveness of sins and might for our service to you and to one another. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places 
Give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. by our Lord and trusting in his promises, we are bold to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and none of the form of the bread and wine. I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sins and the strengthening of my faith in life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
The first distribution hymn is hymn 814, O Bless the Lord My Soul, hymn 814. The next hymn is 642, O Living Bread from Heaven, hymn 642.
Now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that in your love toward us and for one another, that you would keep us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Our closing hymn is 933, My Soul Rejoices, 933.
Once again, a very special word of welcome to all of our guests and visitors today. Thank you very much for joining us for worship, and we pray that your time with us was a blessed one. Uh, David has an announcement for us. Good morning. Uh, again, this year, the elders have furnished envelopes in the back of the church to, for anyone wishing to uh, show their gift of appreciation to our church workers. And if you haven't picked up your envelopes, there's still envelopes in the back. They're going to be here this week and next Sunday. And uh, we will probably distribute those sometime next Sunday afternoon. So if you have a calling to give to our church workers, here's your opportunity. Thank you. Much, David. Uh, just a reminder, Christmas Eve, uh, the children's program here tomorrow night at 7. It promises to be uh, just a wonderful time of worship and praise. Um, and as the children tell us the Christmas story, and they feed us with God's Word. Um, and then Christmas Day, worship at 10 a.m., uh, and then uh, New Year's Eve, hymn sing, and devotion and prayer, of course, on New Year's Eve, and that'll be at 7 p.m. Just a reminder, too, uh, that the funeral for Elmer Kaiser will be the 26th uh, visitation here from 9 to 11, with the service beginning at 11, and then the luncheon to follow afterwards in the fellowship hall. Uh, please keep all of our families in prayer, uh, and I pray all of you that have a very, very blessed week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday at 10 a.m. If you're not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Scott Torch.